What is up, good people of Facebook and YouTube? It is time for the 10th edition in season three of Notes by Notes. I got the crew yes, sir. back in the stew. AP, how's your week been? Hey, Jay, I'm happy to be here. It's been a good week, and I made it to the day. Can't complain, man. Amen. Love to hear it. Before we get started, let me tell you about our friends over at A to Z for skin and hair. A to Z for skin and hair offers a bevy of hair and skin products that have no preservatives and are made with love. Like their rice water, which is used to promote healthy, strong growth of the hair and prevent dandruff and their moisturizing hair butter for everyday styling and their rapid growth, which is a perfect mix of all natural oils. And you already know what I'm about to say. You can't forget about the gang gang beard oil, which I use every single day and right before the show to keep my beard game on fleek. To contact A to Z for skin and hair, to find out more about their products, give them a call at 469-674-5567 and tell them the crew at Notes by Notes sent you. Once again, that's 469-674-5567. It is going down right after the intro. Let's go! You've heard of hot takes, and you're probably tired of hearing the same old talking heads repeating the same stuff over and over again. The time has come for the game to evolve, and just like in sports, there are a select number of individuals who are leading the evolution of change and pushing the game forward. This isn't just a sports podcast. This podcast is about how life, culture, and sports all meet at one intersection. This is the new wave. This is the new sound. This is the evolution. This is the Notes by Notes podcast, where we discuss life, culture, and sports. All right, folks, we are primed and ready to bring you a fiery edition of notes by notes right here yes, on sir. facebook oh yes sir and youtube ap it's been a crazy week man so been. far i mean it, it's been a good week personal professional life you know everything's good wife is happy kid is good um funniest thing ever today i had to uh fire up this kid because he was messing with my daughter oh no so oh no <laughs> did you have your first beat the bully of experience yo i told that little kid i was like this is my daughter and you will not put your hands on her do you understand me yes sir okay hey, that's how you we do have that understanding. that's how you do that fathers we, should stand up for their daughters we have to govern accordingly Absolutely. you know what i'm saying like it, Number one, I'm not going to have my kid out here just acting any type of way towards any of her colleagues, counterparts, whatever. Right. Like there has to be some level of decorum here. And you're we're going to make sure that everybody in this camp has it. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. So, you know, I have to call the kid out. But outside of that, I'm super happy. It's Friday. Um, excuse me. So happy to be back on the airwaves uh, with my homie AP. K-Dot is out this week. Yep. Um, he's at a wedding. He's spending some time with some family. He'll be back next week. Can't wait to have him back. Um, but we, we, me and AP planned out a, uh, very, very great episode for you guys. So you got to stay tuned. Keep it locked right here. Don't go anywhere. Before we dive into that, there was the biggest story in the NFL. Well, the biggest story in the NFL this week, um, was Odell Beckham Jr., um, just to recap, kind of following up on how we ended out the show last week, we were talking about Odell Beckham Jr. being released by the Cleveland Browns. He has agreed to sign. Oh, yeah. With the Los Angeles Rams. Yes, he did. And I, I, I don't know, AP. To me, this move signifies that the Rams are pushing all their chips in. Oh, yeah. They got Von Miller right before the trade deadline. They got Odell Beckham at no cost. And some people look back, they're like, you know what? If this was 2015, this would be a great move. But these players are past their prime. And in my opinion, I have a problem with that. Because like we saw what Matthew Stafford has done since he's came to, to yeah. the Los Angeles Rams, 
he, he's been able to be very successful. Sometimes you need that change of setting in order to really get to the greatness that that's in store for, for you. That's, that's predestined for you. Oh, yeah. We know what OBJ is. We know that he is a spectacular talent in the NFL. And now he's going to a team who didn't pay anything for him. He's yeah. going to a team that is probably top two, top three in the NFC. Oh, yeah. Probably everyone's Super Bowl favorite at this current moment. Yeah. And a quarterback who can actually throw him the football. <laughs> he, he had Eli Manning, Daniel Jones. Then he had Baker Mayfield. I don't the, – the, don't come to me with that Baker Mayfield stuff over here, all right? We, Baker Mayfield is good when he wants to be good. Mm. Odell Beckham Jr. needs better. Yeah, He's going to a guy who knows how to put some spin on the ball. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about Odell Beckham Jr. going to Los Angeles. I'm kind of scared for my Cowboys, though, AP. Ooh, as you might should be. Um, now we'll say you called it though. You know, Salt Bay. <laughs> we talked about a couple teams that uh, would have looked good for Beckham, and um, honestly, as we were in the conversation, the Rams didn't come up. But before we finished the show, or before we finished the segment, you did mention that for Beckham to be happy, he was gonna need the three Bs: babes, bottles, and beaches. <laughs> and your boy is going to all three. Um, you know, you did, you said that he needed to be somewhere that fit his aesthetic. Um, I mean, he's a beautiful gentleman, um, and he just so happens to be athletic. So I think that LA is definitely going to be a good fit for him, uh, as far as that's concerned. Mm -hmm. Now there's going to always be the concerns about the typical Odell things. You know what I mean? Like, um, he has yet to leave a team on good terms. Um, and he has yet to have a, a, a romance with a quarterback that's going to just really work for him, like you just mentioned. Um, so, like you said, I mean, Rams has a good guy. Rams has a, has a, a, a great quarterback, um, but he already has a good cohesive relationship with, is it Cup, Kerp, Krupp? Uh, Cup, Krupp. Cooper Cup. Cup. Cooper Cup, sorry. Cooper Cup and Woods. You know, the so they already have some existing things that are already locked in and stable. Um Odell might not fit the bill as it pertains to that. One of the things that we touched on last week is that Odell needs to be the standout. Mm -hmm. He's going to be great and, and, and he's going to be good, but in that equation, he's not going to be the number one guy. Yeah. So he's going to add to the arsenal. It's going to give them one more option out there on the field. However, is it going to be enough for him to be happy? We're going we're gonna to have to see. However, I think that he chose up. And if, he, if there was anybody else that he could go to, this was the best choice for him in terms of uh, Super Bowl contention. Um, it's time for him to get a ring, and I think that that ultimately is his goal. And right now the 7-1 and one Rams are looking like, looking like a good home for the boy. They look legit. They look legit. They legit. look legit. Oh, it's – are they 7-1, and 6-2? I think they're 6-2. and two. I don't know. They Kobe. lost one to – Let's see. See, this is this is where um, our guy K Dot. I know K Dot is normally the, the the fixer of all things. He would he would have heard that. He would have. Nah, he would have known. Yeah, he would Kelly, come home. Come come home, Kelly. Kelly, come back. But hey, we we having a good time. But I do want to touch on what you were saying, like Odell Beckham Jr. being a third or fourth option. I don't believe that. I think when Odell Beckham Jr. goes to the Los Angeles Rams, he's more like C.D. Lamb is to the Cowboys. Okay. Um, number one, you have – I mean, C.D. Lamb, of course, no injury history that we have right now on him. Uh, God willing, he stays pretty healthy throughout his career. Uh, but we look at Odell Beckham. You know that he is an athlete. You know that his athleticism is going to overpower any average player on – any day mm -hmm. um you know that he's going to make these spectacular catches you know that he's going to um he he's dangerous in open field you know that he is a threat on the field period i, I think that odell beckham jr is their second best wide receiver right now van jefferson is good don't get me wrong robert woods is good but none of them are odell beckham jr Absolutely, none of them. None of them. Like, I didn't say they were better. I just said that they have that they have their stuff in place. Uh, 
I am speaking to the critics out there, AP. No, I'm just, because... I just want, I want to put that out there because I don't think that they're better. <laughs> I don't want nobody to think that I'm saying that anybody is better because Odell, as it stands, is still one of the best in the league right now. Yeah. One of the best. But carry on. I, I didn't mean to throw you off your train. No, you didn't throw me off anything. <laughs> hey, hey, it's all good. It's all good. We're, we're both saying the same thing, mm-hmm. and we're we're proving the same point. And, yeah, the Rams lost to the Cardinals. And get this, your Titans last Monday night or Sunday night. Uh-huh. So, 6-2 and two right now. So, that's 6-2. and two. Yeah, 6-2. Titans on Sunday night. Y'all beat them 28-16. to 16. And they lost to the Cardinals 37 to 20 a month ago. Mm-hmm. So they are sitting at six and two, a perfect spot for my phone doesn't want to facial recognition. There we go. <laughs> um, it's like, it doesn't want to work. Bro, you ugly dog. <laughs> um, but this is a good spot for Odell Beckham Jr. This is a, like you said, it, it's, it's a ideal landing spot with, Everything that they have. Also, it is a really solid move move from a Rams organization that is on the cusp of possibly going to the Super Bowl and winning it for the first time since 1999, 2000, against the Tennessee Titans. You keep on to bring up old stuff. A knee slapper right there, but you saw who they got the L to. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. They you're want right. that work. They know where to get it. <laughs> hey, it could be a preview of this year's Super Bowl, so we don't even know. Adrian Peterson scored a touchdown in that game, by the way. Mm-hmm. Derrick Henry, he may be out, but you got Jeremy McNichols and you have Adrian Peterson. Both can kind of carry the load. Mm-hmm. So. Plus, they're on my fantasy team. They better be better. <laughs> they better they be good. Better be good. They better be good. <laughs> All right, so to switch it over to a a little bit more serious topic here, because this is a sports life and culture podcast, let's get to the culture. Um, So last week, while we were recording this show, there was a concert going on in in Houston called Astro World, Mm -hmm. which... Which is crazy because if if you're from Texas and you ever been in Houston back in the '90s, they actually had a theme park, Six Flags Astro World. Mm-hmm. That's what it was called. So, um, hip hop artist Travis Scott has reinvented what that kind of is. It's not a theme park, right. but it's a huge music festival. Absolutely. And if you haven't heard, I'm sure you have by now. Um, there were nine people who passed away during this concert because of how crowded, how reckless the people were in the crowd, or to some degree. I know that some people, you know, you go to a concert, you go to have a good time. Absolutely. You know, nobody has the intent to cause harm. So I'm not accusing anyone, but nine people are dead. Those are the facts. And it's unfortunate because there's debate on whether Travis Scott could have stopped the concert or he couldn't have stopped the concert. But more reports have came out over this past week that um, police officers were close enough to realize what was going on and video obtained, I believe, by ABC in Houston or something like that, mm. said that they were right there in the crowd and they, they could have prevented something. So somebody is going to have to be held accountable here. Mm-hmm. No telling who that party may be, but AP, how, what, what do you think about this whole situation that's happening in Houston right now? Well, first and foremost, um, you know, our hearts and, and minds go out in thoughts and prayers, all of that. They go out to all the victims and their families uh, and also to Travis Scott. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that he, you know, I think that a lot of people are giving him a lot of backlash right now, um, despite him also suffering um, what has to be a, a tremendous blow to just, you know, his brand, mm-hmm. his ego. Uh, I mean, just the mental, you know, like to be re- to be quote unquote. You know, and I use the word responsible, you know, very loosely because at the end of the day, they haven't determined responsibility. Um, I do think that every time 
you are inviting if if you invited me to your home um and i fell down your stairs you know what i'm saying like at the end of the day there's there's something to be said about me like what did i do to fall down the stairs and there's also something to be said about the establishment and did you do everything to prevent me from falling down the stairs exactly so i think that as it pertains to these concerts and and I mean, there's Live Nation, who is the, um, the I guess, the promoters behind it. You know, that's the, the, the people who threw the concert, basically. Mm-hmm. Live Nation is a huge organization. I've been to several of their events. I have, too. Um, uh, then there's the, the venue itself mm-hmm. um, that is, you know, supposed to maintain and provide some type of... Um, and, I, and again, I don't know that there's a lot of contractual agreements behind the scenes that we have no idea about. Mm-hmm. Who was responsible for the security? Who was responsible for um, the medical, uh, for the for the medic? Um, because I do believe in, in any time you have this amount of people in one place that there has to be an emergency response plan. So I'm not sure right now who they're going to put the blame on i know hpd houston police department has made some statements in regards to um like their even their own fault in it mm-hmm. um but man it's just, it's just so tragic that a lot of people went to this concert just to have a good time and nine people at least as of right now you know didn't didn't make it home mm-hmm. um one just died wednesday so it was eight eight confirmed the night of and then the ninth one just died this past Wednesday. And then they have a nine-year-old kid. I mean, man, nine years old on his dad's shoulders who's man. in critical condition and in a coma right now. Jesus. Um, and a medically induced coma. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and that's a nine-year-old kid. So, I mean, regardless, and that's not counting. I mean, from the reports, 260 bef- people were being medically treated before Travis Scott even stepped on the stage. That's crazy. So when we say that Travis Scott is like the, like, did he have an ability to stop it or do anything? I personally feel like somebody should have stepped in before the show started. I don't know if you saw the melee that ensued at the very beginning. Mm -hmm. I mean, hours before the People jumping over the turnstiles and jumping over walls to get in there. Ripping down fences. I mean, and they, I'm thinking... It looked like thousands. It looked like thousands of people. Maybe it was just hundreds. I'm not a mathematics person with it on site, mm. but it was a ton of people. And then there there were reports of hundreds of people just attacking the actual um, the merchandising stand. I mean, people were going nuts before the show even started. And I did, uh, from my understanding, they did have a, a meeting with Travis Scott before the show even began to discuss the possibility of canceling the show, um, which they all parties opted against at that time. But it was lots of opportunities to pull it back. I'm really, man, somebody's going to get a lot of heat here at some point, And I don't know who it's all going to fall on. I had no idea mm-hmm. that there was a meeting held. Well, that's the thing. There's a lot of details that haven't really surfaced about this whole entire situation. Mm-hmm. Um, for the most part, most of them have been negligent reports yeah, exactly of, it, it, it's a big ball of negligence and at this point it's like somebody's going to get the blame and when it comes down it's not going to be good just like this report from cnn delhi Astro World festival spiral out of control for hours hours and that's from the fire department so like you said i i think it's a responsibility and again i'm not i, I can't place any blame everybody is innocent until proven guilty Word. um but when it comes down to being an artist, so let's say if we had a live podcast, yeah, right, there should be an expectation of what your decorum should be during this. Yes, it is a concert, right, in this case. But it shouldn't be a rave, you know what I mean? Like to where it gets to a point to where things are being destroyed, mm-hmm. things are being vandalized. Like we get it, Travis Scott, like your music is, is, is great. It's a party setter. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? But it's not really required all the time, or it's not required in that type of setting. It needs to be safe. Mm-hmm. There needs to be some type of barriers from you to the stage, from this crowd, VIP, to there, yeah. there was no organization. I don't apparently. think so. So they, they, they did have like a, a high rise, like 
extra VIP. I think that even his girlfriend, Kylie, Kylie Jenner, uh, their daughter, Kendall, like, uh, they were all inside of this, like, you know, they had this high rise tent up there where they were kind of separate from the activities. Um, but, um, for the most part, all the regular festival goers were all stuck in there together. And then when people started kind of rushing the stage, as soon as Travis Scott, I mean, the fact that there were people that were being, um, you know, injured before he even hit the stage, yeah. that's what freaks me out. You know what I mean? And it was way before, you know what I mean? Mm. So at the fact, at the point of him actually hitting the stage, I mean, within, I mean, an hour or so from my understanding, I think they said around nine thirty or so, mm -hmm. um, people began being like reports of people being trampled and passed out. And before 10 o'clock, it had already been considered a mass casualty uh, event. So, I don't know specifically what point. Um, I mean, they say Travis Scott, he attested he had no idea that it was considered that they had declared it a mass casualty event mm -hmm. uh, or incident. So, I mean, it, it's a lot of stuff coming in still to this day, a week later, that we don't know about. So, I mean, again, it's just one of those situations that we don't want to speak too much on yeah. because we don't have all the facts. But we are a lot further than we were the night of. I mean, there were accusations of like, um, people being injected, people being... Um, the officer was injected. They confirmed that the other the day. Yeah, they were mm -hmm. the security guys. Um, but they were saying that, you know, that all the people who had died had been injected. Whoa. So, yeah, but th that's what was one of the things that they were saying. So they thought that it was like a, uh, like a homicide situation because they initially had, uh, sent, had declared it like homicides. Wow. And then they had to change it because then more reports started coming out. I mean, viral videos within while the show was going on. Now viral videos were being released where it showed people being like trampled on and stepped on. So, oh, I mean, Jesus. as these reports oh. continue to come out, you know, we just pray for the families of everybody impacted, the hundreds that were that are still being treated. Mm -hmm. And I mean, again, uh, I pray the best for Travis Scott. I mean, his concerts are known for these raging and uh, mosh pit activities. So, mm -hmm. I mean, but this is definitely by far one of the most deadly concerts um, as far as like concert goers mm -hmm. that. I mean, I want to say in history. I've never heard of anything like this. And like you said, AP, big time prayers out to those families, thoughts and prayers uh to those families condolences you know um it, it's crazy because they say life is a fiber you know it's nothing but a, it, it could go it's like that and you know in, in that scenario it it's very scary because you're really going there to have a good time you know and it not having a good time and something like this happening is just really unfortunate so uh like you said, prayers out to the families and the people who are involved, whether you were injured, you know, one of your family members passed. Um, prayers out to Travis Scott. We don't know what he's going through. He has a lot of stuff to kind of figure out. Oh, yeah. Nobody really knows what's going on. But we will keep you guys updated on Notes by Notes. So, hey, you ready for the meat and potatoes of the show? Because we promised them a surprise, AP. Let's eat. We... Promise you guys a big time <laughs> surprise. So me and AP, we did. So there's this series out on Netflix now. Okay. It's called Colin in black and white. And yes, it's from it. it it's, it's a story about uh, Colin Kaepernick's upbringing on Netflix. You got to check it out. Um, and today on this show, we are going to review episodes one through three. Also, <laughs> this is a great surprise. This is a two-parter. So we're going to cover episodes one through three this week. And then next week, we're going to co cover episodes four through six. So there was a lot of different things that really just, how can I say, the two words we use, shocking mm -hmm. and what was the second one? Meaningful. Meaningful. Shocking and meaningful things that happen in this show. And it's, it's kind of hard to describe, but it's not. Yeah. You try to find the words because, number one, if, if you watch it, you're biracial, you're black, you're a person of color. It kind of hits you right in the feels. As soon as the show starts, 
Not only that, it gives you a great deal of nostalgia. Oh, yeah. Because it's in the mid-2000s, early 2000s, (laughs) mid-2000s. So if you're, you know, our age, you're kind of like you get all the references. You get all the references. You hear the music in the background. You hear the Ludacris playing. (laughs) It's it's a great show. Um, I mean, there's things in there that that can entertain you. It could also kind of make you reflect Mm -hmm. as well. So... Let's start it off here. I want a disclaimer. Disclaimer. We we got we we might need to put the disclaimer up. Spoiler alert. There may be some spoiler alerts here. Spoiler alert. I'm gonna try not to to spoil too much of it for you because ultimately I really want the people to watch the show. Yeah. I really want the people to watch the show. So That's I don't want to take anything from the show. However, we are gonna get into some details and we're definitely gonna talk about some scenes that impacted us. You know what I mean? But but please. Don't take our word for it. Watch the show. It's 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 worth a watch. Yes. Yeah. We should have put that. So yeah. We're spoiler alert here. You got to okay. put that on the banner. <laughs> we go have to. If you haven't watched it, you need to watch it because it's a must watch. It is. Um. So, the first episode is called Cornrows. Yeah. And oh my <laughs> god. Um. Ap. So tell me what was shocking and meaningful for you in the first episode of this show. Man, let me tell you. So episode one, first and foremost, the entire episode, it was so packed. It was it was packed with so much. It gave me everything. Mm-hmm. There were moments where I just was like cracking up. There was moments where I just was so like... <gasps> Like, oh, my gosh, you know, oh, why did he have to go through that? You know what I mean? And there was this moments that I was just like, you know, that's so real, Mm -hmm. you know. But I want to say that the most shocking and I think that this is not a spoiler because it's one of the um, the trailers, I think, also. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's probably going to be yours, too. I feel like because we be in the same brain wave. Get out of my brain, AP. (laughs) You don't live here. (laughs) (laughs) But. The the comparison to the uh, combine and the slave trade. Oh my god! That had to be the most um, oh man. It, it was hard to watch mm-hmm. just because you know that this is it, it's it's it goes on daily. Yeah. Um, and it is one of those things that you can, once you see, you can't unsee it. Yeah. You know, it's it's that it's that thing where people are like, oh yeah, you cannot unsee this. Yeah. And so now, like as I think about it. it it's so it's it's degrading to a certain point you know and, and granted these people are you know these uh, NFL players or potential NFL players and and uh college hopefuls who want to be in the NFL it's it's the sacrifice for the win right it's the sacrifice to get where you want to be um but when you look at it at that lens man like how can you not just be like you sh- you show right mm-hmm. like to be stood up on a podium to be measured to be you know poked and prodded you know everything from your mental health to your physical health examined um before you even get a maybe like it's still not a guarantee and then they tell you they put it in your head like hey like I, we need a killer we need a beast we need a dog and and that's even if you're like the kindest person you know what I'm saying? It it, it can be transforming. Mm-hmm. It can be transforming. As he referred to it as a, a power dynamic. You know what I mean? Like a power dynamic. When you when I t- like to show up somewhere and somebody tell you like, oh, if, if you want to be on this team, you you better be able to do XYZ. Mm-hmm. And then we also gonna need you to do ABC. Mm-hmm. And then if you can do G G H I we <laughs> I had to do it too. Don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> then if you can do GHI, then you're gonna be a star. Yeah. And and it's people literally putting their own um their own opinions of it's it's other people's opinions being being placed upon you. Mm-hmm. So I mean that for me was the most like uh pivotal thing just because I, I didn't I never looked at it that way. Yeah. I never did. And yeah, I agree with you one hundred percent because like you said, it was a power dynamic. The The words that he used was they're grooming you for a system. Yeah. The system back in the day was slavery. They're like, who's the strongest? Who's the one? They're grooming these NFL players for a system. Oh, you're not good enough. We're cutting you. We, we cut off every single um, way for you or we cut off your livelihood 
the main the mainstream of income if you aren't good enough right um and it kind of goes back to like the nil deals in college mm-hmm. thank god mm-hmm. these players are getting mm-hmm. paid now because mm-hmm. they're amateur they say they're amateurs but they're not they're really professional athletes they are. in an amateur sport that's what they call it um but i i never thought of it that way either and that's the crazy thing you can see this show from many different angles like for me i think the most shocking um an impactful thing that i saw was the dynamic between him and his parents early mm-hmm. it, it it didn't waste any time getting to it it oh, kind of yeah. started to peel back the onions as soon as the show started like for instance when he went to spoiler alert whenever he went to get his hair done yeah. you know the first time and one thing that i thought was profounding was his mom coming to pick him up, not only picking him up, but seeing where yeah. he was optically like, oh, my God. Yeah. He's found out. Yeah. <laughs> he's found out. He's black. Now he knows. Now he knows. <laughs> and then she's like, so you weren't going to tell me where you were? And he, she's like, or he's like, I left a note. And mm-hmm. she's like, well, you didn't tell me and your dad where you were like where heavy emphasis right (laughs) heavy emphasis so you know that's the biggest thing that's one of the biggest things that stood out to me was the dynamic between him and his parents and how how immediately how it pointed to where the difference may lie in the show Mm. another thing was they talked about Allen Iverson oh yeah Allen Iverson big time cultural icon in the early 2000s or early late 90s, mm-hmm. early 2000s, mid 2000s, really changed things for the way that NBA players adapted to the culture. Like they were like, oh, I'm not afraid anymore. I'm going to be who I am. Yeah. This, this is me. And it was very profound because Colin Kaepernick was like, yo, I, I look like that guy. Yeah. I, I'm going to embrace my culture now. I got hair. I got hair. I got hair. And another one, and I'll, I'll let you go, AP. I'm sorry. I'm over here. No, just, you, hey. I, I, I'm just, 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 hey, look, you know, it, it, it was just super prof- profounding to me. But another thing, I remember as a kid going to my first barbershop slash shoe store. Because <laughs> they exist. They exist. <laughs> it, breaking news. That That's real. That that happens all the, it's yeah. it's everywhere. It's not a bad thing, though, because, you you know, it, it's giving everybody a chance to make money. Yeah. Um, black people to make money. Mm-hmm. Um, but whenever he walked in there, literally his eyes just popped out of his head. He mm-hmm. was like, yo, this, this, I figured out who I am. This yeah. is me. This is what I am. And I can't change that, but I want to embrace it 100%. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that that was a big time turning point in that show for me. I, I loved every single part of it. Absolutely. And one of the things that he said is that he saw himself mm-hmm. like he's like, I don't I didn't I never been here before. It's around the corner from my house talking about the girl's house. Mm-hmm. But I saw myself there. Yep. And then when he said about going to the uh, like the store, he was like, say, like pretty much the same thing. Like I, I see myself here. And um, I think that for a lot of people, um, or at least his his situation, um, you know, being a, a, a mixed race child, growing up in an all white household, mm-hmm. um, being raised in, in my guess, I mean, just based off the scenarios and the way that everything was laid out in all white neighborhood, um, it just there are things that you don't see that you're not exposed to. Right. And it spoke to the importance of exposure. It spoke to, to the importance of um, um, identity. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like he, he at school, he had his one black friend, you know, his, his homeboy. And through his friend, like he saw the lens that maybe that other part that maybe he had been missing, but he never got a chance to really live it until he started trying to like step into it, like getting his hair braided. And then from there, it just kind of expanded because I mean, all the things that happened with him getting his yeah. hair braided, which made it, which brought a great comic relief to uh, such a serious Man, uh, situation. Man, his hair was on fire. 
Yeah. <laughs> but, and I remember, I remember like it took me back to being that age and like getting boated down and, you know what I'm saying, feeling good about myself. And, and I, I grew up black. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I, I could only imagine, you know, the way he had to experience that and how that impacted him. So, I mean, wow. Like, yeah, yeah it was a good. It was a good depiction. One thing that I think that they that they made sure stood out was the fact that his parents always talked about clean shaven, being clean shaved. Mm -hmm. And they didn't just point to that in just one part of this series. They oh, pointed yeah. They 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 made sure that that was a point that they wanted to stick to from start to finish. Like it even began when they were sitting at the table after he got his hair done for the first time. Mm -hmm. And his dad is like, yo, you know, one of the reasons Michael Jordan accomplished so much is because he was bald. Yeah. And then not only that, it had it was an issue with his baseball coach mm -hmm. and this rule that his team just came up with never existed, never existed, but for him it exists literally gave. So the rule is that he couldn't wear hair below the lower brim of the baseball cap. Right. So he had to either get it cut or not wear braids. And he had, and his parents used that as an excuse for him not to embrace the culture. A lot of that happens in the show too. Mm -hmm. A lot of that happens. Just the ball drop on support. Yeah, it's just you know, it's it's for Colin Kaepernick. It's it, it's crazy how so many times his parents tried to indoctrinate him into their culture, and how many times they realized that he didn't want to be a part of that culture, and how they still continue to do it. Yeah, you know, and that is what was. Again, that was another powerful and impactful point in this series in episode one. Um, so, I mean, for me, episode one, that kind of, you know, without spoiling all the goods, that gives you a good depiction of what happened in episode one. AP? Yeah, no, it drew me in. Episode one may, is going to make you decide whether you want to watch this show or not because they, they throw it all at you episode <laughs> one. And literally from episode one to the end is kind of like a trickle down. You know what I'm saying? Like exactly. They, it's front loaded like a mug. Yeah, yeah. It, <laughs> oh, man, it's like, whoa. Yeah, the, like the there's, there's some deeper deeper parts in this show, mm -hmm. which some we have to say for part two. That that's for sure because yeah. uh, oh my god I, I'm just thinking about all of the stuff that happened in the show It's just crazy. Um, so in episode two, AP um, quarterbacking, quarterbacking, and we we kind of know what this is about, right? Yeah. You think you know what it's about, but I don't think you know what it's truly about. Quarterbacking uh, was a great episode as well, AP. Um, what was something that stood out? for you in the episode i've always been told or or you know just being in like a part of the culture and like knowing people and you know applying for jobs or playing sports or everything like that that it it's not good enough to be good enough mm. you know what i mean um sometimes good enough isn't enough mm -hmm. You have to be better, and not just better, but better than the best. Right. You know what I mean. And and you have to work harder. You have to be work two times as hard to get the same that you know your your counterparts, you know, have to get. Mm -hmm. So episode two for me just really amplified that. It amplified how much harder he had to work to be better than somebody that was half as good as him. And everybody knew it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, the dynamics with, uh, you know, him showing up, feeling good, you know, and, and just all that confidence on the football field. Um, first and foremost, him wanting to, like, choosing that as the sport that, you know, it was the first time where we really saw him. Because the first episode, it kind of touched base on everything that we knew he was good at. Mm -hmm. You know, we he, he played basketball. He played football. You know, he he. He played baseball and even spoke to the fact that he was probably better at baseball. Yeah. But he chose football. And I think that episode two gave us Colin now. Yeah. 
it gave us the foresight to call in now. Um, and it explained, it explained his fight. Like, honestly, episode two was a synopsis of everything that he's fighting for right now. I mean, not everything, but it shows why he's so passionate right Mm. now. You know, he he fought hard to get into the game and just to prove his worth, just to always be second best. And um, even though he was first, you know what I mean? And, And that's just the recurring part of it for me that stood out that no matter how hard you work, sometimes your best just ain't good enough if there's somebody that fits the that fits the the frame a little bit better right it, it, the the prototype the prototype like it's it like you said it speaks to everything that he goes through right now actually it speaks to what every there was a stat in that episode that talked about how many black quarterbacks play mm-hmm. in the league right now compared to white quarterbacks mm-hmm that's a real thing. You you can't deny it because yeah. if you asked a coach 10 years ago who they were looking for, they were looking for somebody like Peyton Manning. Yeah. Hell, you ask a coach right now, they're not looking for somebody like Lamar Jackson. <laughs> There's people who still don't embrace Lamar Jackson. I was telling somebody this. I was like, yo, whenever I really started loving football, I watched a lot of the Philadelphia Eagles. I know I'm a Dallas Cowboy fan, but the only reason why I did that is because Donovan McNabb was so phenomenal, in my opinion, as a quarterback. Then I see Mike Vick. Then you start seeing cats like RG3. Then you start seeing cats like Colin Kaepernick. Their prototype is no longer the prototype. Their prototype is the Model T to an F-150. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. And for him to be a part of that barrier breaking in the NFL, because remember, everybody in 2012, 2013 was doing the, the kiss my muscle uh, touchdown right. celebration. Mm-hmm. Everybody was doing it. And for me, that is what is so impactful in that episode. It, 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 like you said, it was a foresight. But also, I like the fact that he proved that JV coach wrong. Oh, yeah. 100% wrong. And I also like the fight that he kept. Not only that, he had the determination to get better to prove that JV coach wrong. Mm -hmm. That is what amazes me about Colin Kaepernick. Because, obviously, like you said, he's always had to play second fiddle. Right. Hell, being biracial, I've always had to play second fiddle. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, I feel him on that. So for him to overcome those obstacles that are literally like it it would be one thing if he was black. Mm -hmm. It would be one thing if he was white. Mm -hmm. He was biracial. Right. The coach knew that. Mm -hmm. Not only that, they knew that he was adopted. Right. You know what I'm saying? So they was like, yeah, man, you you got the athleticism of a wide receiver. Why don't you just play wide receiver? You know, that's what people like you do anyways. Right. Respectfully, coach. Yeah. I'm a quarterback. I came here. You know, to play quarterback, you know. So, um, but honestly, Cap's true competition throughout that whole episode wasn't the prototypical quarterback who he was competing against. Right. It was his JV coach. It was proving yeah. those people wrong. It was um, the guy who walked over to his dad and his dad's like, yo, I had him training with such and such. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, man, I got to take a look at this kid. Yeah. And that's when their views started to change. But another thing, AP, let's not forget, it took his dad's privilege. To get him in, yeah. It's always going to be privilege. He's always been in a position to where someone else's privilege had to get him out of certain situations. Right. Because he, as he is, he couldn't, he wasn't afforded that privilege. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that's another thing that's powerful about that episode because it, it points that out. It points that out very quickly in episode two. You're like, yo, this dude is obviously spinning it. I mean, by the way, I got to say, they need to really get some football players out there playing these athletes. <laughs> I mean, the guy who played young Colin was cool, but the right. rest of them, the other quarterback, I've been like, bro, go sit on the bench. Yeah. Like, you can't even throw a rock. He's trying to throw a football. Go sit down. Go sit down. Right. Johnson. Is his name Johnson? <laughs> Go, was, sit your <laughs> Go sit your ass down, Johnson. Yeah. But, yeah, man, um, 
sorry, I'm rambling again. But no, you're good. I mean, I, I really think that you know the quarterbacking for the title is what's uh, phenomenal in my opinion because it's just like like you said, it's just this loop, and he's and he's constantly trying to push out this message. Mm-hmm. You know, this is why I'm not in the NFL. Right. You know what I'm saying? And I should be in the NFL. Hell, Cam Newton just got a job again with the Carolina Panthers, who drafted him. You know what I'm saying? He went back home. He went back home. Nobody ain't calling cap. Right. It's 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 just crazy to me. It's it's crazy to me what's holding him out of the game right now. It's all about personal biases. And it's not just about his color anymore. It's about the stance that he took in 2016. Absolutely. I, I totally agree. And I don't think that that I don't think that anything that he is doing now has um deterred his ability on the field. Um, you know, him speaking out against these causes, uh, it's just reverting back to this childhood, this this young Colin who has always been put in a position where he's had to prove himself. Mm-hmm. And just because he has a belief or just because, you know, he wants to take a stance, you know what I mean? Like with his hair or, or with his, or, or just playing a position that other people didn't see him fit to play. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Now he got to work. He got to go the extra mile just to prove like what he, the his message. Um, and I, I just, like I said, I, I really feel like that was the blueprint that really started the the transformation into the column that we know now. Yeah. Before that, he was innocent. He was happy, go lucky, just doing everything that he could do. You know, I, I mean, high school is really the point where we all pivot. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Middle school, nothing serious. Everything's just fun. Mm-hmm. But when you get to high school, it's like now you pe- now you getting exposed to people that you know you may not have grown up with. Uh, high school is when those all those middle schools combine. You know what I mean? And it's like, oh wait, wait, hold up. What school did old boy go to? Yeah, They're like, oh, oh, that's just some kind of prep school boy. He he trash. And like, oh okay. And then it's like, it's like, oh that that's y'all y'all. That might be competition for y'all, but yeah. like, I'm not worried about it. And in his mind, you walk into it with the same confidence that you've had your entire life playing this child's game. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Just hey, it's just another day on the job. And then having to realize that because you don't fit you don't fit the ideal perspective of somebody else and they're not even on the field Mm -hmm. they're not even playing against you like now you got to work doubly hard just to prove something to somebody that you don't even have to beat Mm -hmm. somebody that's just looking at you so i mean I, i thought that that was crazy but yeah i think the episode two really really pushed the narrative of what this whole show is about and you know also what he called it he called it the white man stamp of, of approval, approval. Mm-hmm. he didn't just talk about it in his own in his own experience he talked about it in the banks he talked about it when people are trying Housing. to get a house or when people are trying to make a living wage mm-hmm. he broke down all the math he brought all the facts he brought all the stats to support what he was saying so it's just crazy how he could take his situation yeah as a young kid and also related to what we all go through with the white man's stamp of approval. Like, we got to have the white man's stamp of approval to do anything. That's essentially what he was saying. So, yeah, episode two was was phenomenal. Was phenomenal. So, episode three is where everything kind of hit the fan. Yeah. That, that, that was the most layered episode so far through the series yeah um and to me i i just thought it was amazing how they kind of took you through his daily routine during that summer while setting up everything yeah not only that they use that time as well to show colin's colin's parents privilege again in this episode um so, AP, what did you think about Episode 3, Road Trip? Episode 3, Road Trip, um, that's when I got mad. Mm. You know, that there was parts of everything else that kind of just kind of pissed me off a little yeah. bit. Just kind of like, man, y'all, like, why he got to do this? Why he got to do that? But Episode 3 is when I was like, 
Oh, hell no. Nah. Like, nah. Yeah, see, no, nah, no. Nah, we nah. talked about it before the show. You I know, think it would have went different. Yeah. <laughs> it couldn't be me is all I'm saying, Jay. It couldn't be a girl. <laughs> you know, I think that uh, Colin, what he went through in episode three, and just the stories that were told, you know what I'm saying? Him having to recollect those. And I, I, I want to go, I want to take a second to shout out Ava DuVernay. Uh, Ava DuVernay, uh, director for Selma. Uh, she produces Queen uh, and produces and, and directs for uh, Queen Sugar. Um, she's really behind a lot of prolific black. The 13th. Uh, the 13th. Um, she, she does phenomenal work as it pertains to pushing the, I don't want to call it the black narrative, but putting black stories to the forefront. Um, and just the way that she orchestrated um, all of these episodes, but in particular episode three to highlight the audacity, mm. you know, the audacity of, 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 uh, of privilege, you know what I mean? That, that his parents held and that Colin by default felt that he held, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And then also his environment, you know what I'm saying? He felt like, well, this is, this is normal for me. Like, I should be able to do the same things that, you know, my peers are doing. Like, if they get a cookie, I should be able to get a cookie. Mm -hmm. If they get ice cream seconds, I should be able to get seconds on ice cream. You know what I mean? If they get to jump around in the pool and swim and have fun, I should be able to do the same thing. And it was just time and time again when he was in these spaces that he was being I don't want to say forced. I think that during that time, you know, he was just trying to fit into these uh, predominantly white spaces where he was exposed to, mm. but he was only exposed to these spaces because of his parents' privilege. Um, and I'm not saying that there's not black kids in the inner city who don't play on predominantly white teams just because of circumstance. Mm -hmm. However, in his situation, you know, traveling with the team, um, those road trips going back and forth, seeing his dad, you know, give the head nods while he going 10, 15, 20 over the speed limit, mm -hmm. you know, all of these situations where it's just sheer comfort, you know what I mean? Every, everyday life for him. And then every time he just tries to kind of impose himself into the normalcy of what's going on around him, he's taken down a notch, mm -hmm. you know, and, and you can speak more to specifics in terms of what those things are. But I felt like, it was just so like angering, mm -hmm. you know, as a viewer, as somebody that has, you know, growing up, I was in like, I played chess club, you know what I mean? Because I, I, I it was something different. Mm -hmm. I was in band because it was something different. You know, I was in AP and tag classes in elementary school and pop out classes where they took you on a bus to go to another school to, mm -hmm. you know, do projects and all this kind of stuff. And I've, experienced situations where you know i was one of very few minorities in predominantly white spaces so for me it was relatable to that effect you know what i mean because you get so comfortable in your surroundings just being a kid mm -hmm. and then people come to remind you that i don't care your age i don't care who who your who's plus one you are mm -hmm. you are you and because you are you you don't get to get the same thing as everybody else around you. Um, and it's not a, it's not the sixties or the twenties. You right. know what I mean? Like we're not segregated. This is the early two thousands, late nineties. You know what I'm saying? And we were, st we're still experiencing a lot of those things in 2021. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was a lot of, it was just a lot of emotion in episode three. Mm -hmm. I, g emotion is the best word. I, I was angry too. Mm -hmm. The biggest thing that ticked me off was when he was pulled over, when he encountered, when he had his first experience, well, reportedly on the show, when he had his first experience with law officers or yeah. law enforcement, literally, they thought that his parents were in distress. He's 15. He has a learner's permit. Yeah. And the guy said, or his mom says to the officer, well, officer, he has a learner's permit. We're letting him drive. And the officer says, well, let me see it. So he's like, oh, well, you know, and he's like, well, hold it there. Take it easy, bud. And, you know, it just made it so real at that moment. Mm -hmm. And then the camera pans back to his face. Yeah. And you could tell how shook he is. Here's the irony in it. Tell him. His parents didn't even realize the level of privilege that they were using. 
His dad said, well, you just got out your first ticket. And your mom, his mom literally said, you dodged a bullet there. I did. That's the first time I definitely remember her saying that. That's the first time I connected that. Crazy irony. Crazy irony in those two specific statements from his parents. Mm -hmm. It kind of. His parents didn't realize it's not their fault, but to a degree in the show, how it is depicted, you can see that their privilege, they were abusing their kid with their privilege. Mm -hmm. They didn't even know mm -hmm. because they never understood what a young black man would go through in this, in this type of time. Hell, even when they were kids, right? They didn't know why, because they were behind the white picket fences, mm -hmm. right? They were in their own element. They had no interest in what was going on outside of that. And even when they had the chance to see what was going on inside of that, they were ignorant to it. What did you tell me on the phone? Ignorance is what? Bliss. <laughs> Yo. They just happy-go-lucky, ignoring everything that's going on around them. Just chilling. And another part, AP, here's another one that got me. Another one was when... The hotel manager, not the first one, not the first one with the cookies. The last one, oh, excuse me, chronological order. Spoiler alert. Um, one of them. <laughs> one of them. <laughs> uh, the hotel manager, as, as the episode's kind of wrapping up, he just had a stellar game yeah. pitching. The hotel manager walks up to him and says, hey, congratulations. And he's like, well, thanks. Colin Kaepernick say, says, well, thanks. And then he says, you know, I always I, I can see you're one of the good ones. Mm. You're one of the good ones. And as as he tried to walk away, Colin Kaepernick said, well, what do you mean by that? He says, you know, like one of the guys, the nerds with glasses on, like you're one of the good ones. You're not like those boys who were in the lobby. Mm -hmm. And he's like. And then he doesn't say anything. And then the guy's like, well, I guess you're not one of the good ones. How quickly he reverted yeah. back from saying, hey, I'm, I'm a good guy. How quickly his tone changed whenever I didn't respond the way that, that he wanted me to respond. Mm -hmm. In a sense, it's convenient for, in, in that particular case, it was convenient for that guy to walk up to him and it felt good for him to say, hey, you remind me of somebody who is white. Right. You know what I'm saying? It, you remind me of someone who is proper. We talked about this. Yeah. You know, as a biracial person, you talk white. I'm like, just because I know proper grammar yeah. and I like to enunciate doesn't mean that I act white. Right. It just means that my vernacular is different. I use there's different more words. like me. There's it, more of us out there. Exactly. <laughs> Hell, by 2040, everybody's going to be biracial in this mug. You know what I'm saying? But... It, it it was just that that one right there is what really got me. That's what made me angry. Mm -hmm. It wasn't it, it the police stops. We see it all the time. Right, right, right. That is what made me angry. It was like, yo, how dare you? The audacity of privilege. Yeah. How dare you? Because I talk this way, I look this way, and I hang out with these people for you to say that. I'm one of the good ones. And now I'm not anymore because I didn't respond to your question the way that you wanted me to respond. Right. And then he only became one of the good ones. That was the first positive experience he even had. I mean, mind, mind you, by positive, I use that word loosely because it was still degrading mm -hmm. because it was that passive, uh, it was that passive aggression. It was a microaggression. Micro it was a yeah. microaggression where, they, where they're trying to fit him into this box, the narrative of what is socially acceptable to be in order to be a, pro, a, a good boy. You know what I'm saying? A good black guy, somebody who is acceptable. The Steve Urkels, the Carltons, the you know the ones that we see we're not threatened by. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? The the complete opposite of the Allen of the Allen Iversons who are you know expressive, bold, you know gaudy, chains, baggy clothes. You know what I'm saying? In that that express themselves through uh, culture, through mm -hmm. music and things of that nature. Um, he was only good enough to that to that person. After they had won the championship. A championship. 
prior to that, when he was just, you know, being with his team, mm -hmm. every every situation, and you spoke to it about the repetitiveness, the intentional repetitiveness of um, of the director of Ava Duvernay, uh, Ava Duvernay when she highlighted like his transitions like morning after morning you know what i'm saying from being excited eating the breakfast putting ketchup on it to getting a cold pop tart to like not wanting to eat at all you know what i mean like the the repet the repetition and the only thing changing about the repetition is is his his behavior his emotion throughout it throughout it mm -hmm. and nobody recognizing that there were these silent cries for support oh. i mean i'm not going to call it help it was just Deep. Like support me, see me, yeah, feel me, hear me, and um, I think that you know his. I don't want to villainize his parents in this. I, I'm sure that he's had those conversations with them, and there's been some you know expression and forgiveness because otherwise, I don't think he would have done this project. I know for a fact he loves his mom oh, yeah. dearly, he loves his mom and his dad yeah. really well. Yeah. So, but I think that really just oh, man, episode three was that pivotal moment where you're like. Okay, I need to see where this goes. Oh, I'm, it's like, <laughs> yo, it's time to buckle in. You know, yeah. it, it was one of those. It was definitely a huge uh, pendulum swing mm -hmm. going into the second part of the series, 100%. Um, you just said something. Ah, man. You said something about his mom that I want to touch on. His mom... I didn't mention this in episode one or about in our episode one mm -hmm. recap. Another thing, his mom was trying everything to prevent him from becoming exactly. a thug. When is this going to end? When is this going to end? And it's crazy. They're asking that. It's like it, it's like we could run out of blackness, right? It's like, right, we, right, right. you know what I'm <laughs> right. saying? It's like, oh, flip that sun, sun gun upside down. It's right. just, and it doesn't work like that. Yeah. Like, I'm always yeah, yeah, going to look yeah. like this, you know? Yeah, just give me till Tuesday to wear it out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, mom, I'm, I'm white again. <laughs> Need a couple hours in this shell. You know what I mean? <laughs> give me a pumpkin spice latte and call it a day, buddy. This dude hate pumpkin spice, bro. Yo, I hate pumpkin spice. <laughs> I, I'm glad that season is over. I'm glad. Well, it's not over. It's apple cider season, honestly, if you ask me. Uh, so, I mean, part one of the Colin in black and white is coming to an end. Uh, uh, one through three episodes uh, is coming to an end. We will have a part two next week. Oh, yeah. Let's finish this up. Yeah, because I, I think that it's. It, it's a it's a really good show. If you have questions about the black plight, you should watch it. For sure. You should watch it 100%. And it, it may make you uncomfortable, but good things don't happen when you are comfortable. Good things happen when you are uncomfortable. It it, it provides change, change. It plants a seed. It, it It allows you to see from different perspectives. Give it a watch if you haven't. I, I behoove you, me and AP behoove you to do so. Yes, that's a big word. Yes, mm -hmm. I, I'm proper. Yes, I am. I don't mind. I love it. Caterpillars don't become butterflies without discomfort. Oh, oh, talk to him, AP. Bars. <laughs> Shoot. You think it's easy being in that cocoon? Man. I don't think it is. How they break. Then they got to uh, drop down and get that eagle on. <laughs> drop down, get your eagle on. Hey. Drop down, get your eagle on. Hey, hey. And I need a minute, you know. <laughs> Okay, okay, we digress, we digress. We digress. So that's going to do it uh, for this uh, review of Colin in Black and White. Uh, we'll be back next week with uh, part two. But before we go and we close out the show, it's time to give you a fantasy football update in the Notes by Noakes League. And I am proud to announce My wife, Amber Renee Noakes, also known in the league as Quarter Dak, a name given to her by our daughter. It's a family affair. Is first in our fantasy league. Sitting at six and three. And for the record, I do want to say this. If me or my wife win this fantasy league, the money is not going to us. It's coming to me. It, <laughs> no. AP says she's gonna be the volunteer. Look, I, I'm gonna hook I'm gonna hook the whole squad up with something for Christmas. <laughs> they they got something coming. 
But what we are going to do is we are going to contribute that money to uh, Josh Davis's GoFundMe account for his family. Awesome. Um, awesome. Awesome. My colleague who passed away earlier mm -hmm. uh, last month. So we're going to take that money and we're going to put it into the GoFundMe and we're or if the GoFundMe is not there, we're, we're going to send his family some type of gift. Um, so that's that's the plan. So, yeah. babe, if you keep on winning, we can bless Josh's family. Um, so in second place, we have a uh, country roads, take my homes. Sitting at second place at six and three. Then we have lamb chops at third place at six and three. Then we have half chub. <laughs> I'm gonna start laughing towards the end. Sitting at fourth place at six and three. Then we have. The bland, the fantasy football team sitting at fifth place at five and four. Then we have I Wish You Woods, which is yours truly, sitting hey. at five and four in the sixth spot. Then we have uh, Taking Out the Trash, get the seventh spot with a five and four record. Then we have Jack's Genius Team at the eighth spot with a four and five record. Then we have the Jalen Hurts at the ninth spot with a four and five record. Then we have Zach's Crazy Team. At the tenth spot with a three and six record, and then we have Dak to the future with a three and six record sitting at the eleventh spot. Again, if my wife or me wins this league, this money will go to Josh Davis's family. So, um, hey, AP, we we did the thing for the past fourteen days. You know what I'm saying? Did we do it? We we did the thing. We did what needed to, to be, be done. done. <laughs> <laughs> So that's a wrap right here on Notes by Notes for this special edition, uh, episode 10. We're 10 episodes in, AP. How we feeling? Hey, man, it feels good to get to a monumental point. I feel like 10 is a good round number, and we going hard from here. Let's go. 100%. We are definitely going hard from here. Again, let me tell you about our friends over at A to Z for Skin and Hair. Um, they offer a bevy of hair and skin products that have no preservatives and are made with love. Give them a call at 469-674-5567. Once again, that's 469-674-5567. Tell them that the crew at Notes by Notes sent you. Um, until next week, people, we are out of here. Peace. Hey. <laughs>